Welcome! You're listening to the Pastor's Class Podcast. Either you couldn't make it to class last weekend, or you're just wanting a refresher on what was taught. This is the place for you. You can also visit our website at pastorsclass.org for any other information you might need. We really do hope this message blesses you and that you leave here with more knowledge of the Word of God in your heart. And again, thank you for listening. We're going to continue. You know, I can tell you, I don't know if you enjoyed the first week. I hope you'll enjoy the second week. I've I've enjoyed getting ready for this kind of series, if you will, of In the Storm. We're going to continue that tonight, talking about how to live life in the storm. And if you recall, last week we talked about the life and times of Elijah. Uh, And the title of my lesson last week was In the Storm and on the Roller Coaster. If you remember uh, the prophet Elijah's life, it was up and down. He went from the highest mountains where he was calling down fire and defeating the prophets of Baal to underneath the tree uh, wanting to commit suicide. Uh, and we talked about that in the storm and in those moments that you need to maintain perspective and that you need to remember that, that we serve an unchanging, all-powerful God that loves you more than anything in this world. Uh, and we've, so we've got to keep perspective in those moments. And this week, we're going to continue on, and I want us to talk about faith, uh, about faith in the middle of a storm. Uh, the one thing that you don't want to lose in the middle of a storm is your faith. And in fact, I could argue that you may want to focus on your faith. And uh, the Bible gives us lots to talk about and help us to understand faith and what it means and what it looks like. Um, If you go over into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it'll tell you that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Basically what it's telling you is that what your, your grandest hope, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it will come true and that you're willing to stake your life on it. That's what faith is all about. Uh, that's what faith in Christ is all about. And the Bible gives us lots of examples of faith, uh, faith in the middle of a storm all throughout the Bible. We've studied it a number of times in the book of Acts, just looking at the early church, whether it be Peter or whether it be Paul. <clears throat> if you look over in the book of Hebrews, further in that chapter, you'll see what is the hall of fame of faith. And it'll talk about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. It'll It'll go all the way through Moses. We'll talk about a bunch of unnamed people that had great stories of faith in the storm. But for me, when I was thinking about what would be the context of this lesson of faith in the middle of a storm, I really couldn't get past the story that is told in three of the Gospels of the bleeding woman. It's told in Matthew, it's told in Luke, and it's told in Mark. And we're going to spend most of our time in the Mark's account, which is in Mark chapter 5. Uh, and we're going to be looking at verses 25 through 34. And as you're kind of turning to that, I want to give you a little bit of context of where we're at. So Jesus is young and early into his ministry. He's been baptized in the Jordan. Uh, he's been tempted by Satan in the, in the mountains and in the wilderness. And he's now started uh, his ministry on earth. He's now uh, called Simon Peter. He's called Andrew. He, was, he found them along, remember, the Sea of Galilee and those great words that said, Come, I will make you fishers of men. I, I loved it in that series, the Bible series. Remember when Jesus went up to him and said, Peter, come with me. And he's like, what are we going to do? And Jesus said, we're going to change the world. Uh, that appeals to me. I like things like that. We're going to change the world. Uh, so he had called Peter, Simon Peter. He had called Andrew. Uh, and he was 
taking his ministry around this Sea of Galilee. And that's an important uh, place, if you will, in the Bible in the times of Jesus' ministry. A lot took place around this Sea of Galilee. And there was really two sides to the Sea of Galilee. There was the Jewish side, which is where you found lots of synagogues. And Nazareth, which is obviously Jesus' hometown, was there. And on the other side of the Sea of Galilee was really the, what they called the Gentile side, where you found uh, a lot of maybe paganism on that side. In fact, when we get to this passage, it'll start by telling us that Jesus had come from the other side. And if you'll recall, uh, right before this passage, he was on the other side and he had been approached by uh, the demon-possessed legion. Remember legion? Uh, where Jesus had called the spirits, the demons, out of his body, cast them into the pigs. They ran into the water of the Sea of Galilee and killed themselves. So where we take place now is Jesus has come back to the Jewish side. And when he gets back to the Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee, he's approached by a synagogue leader named Jairus. And Jairus' daughter has uh, become ill. And if you read the different accounts in the gospel, some would say she may have even passed away. And Jairus has come to Jesus and has asked him now to come to his house to help save his daughter. And as Jesus is following Jairus, he feels a touch. He feels a touch. And that's where we uh, take off here in uh, Mark chapter 5. Looking down there, and really I'm going to start there at 24 in the middle. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. So this discharge of blood, we don't have to go into exactly what might have caused it, but under the Old Testament Jewish law, this would have made her unclean. She couldn't have been able to go out into public. She wouldn't have been able to touch other people. Otherwise, she would have made them unclean. So this is a woman that for 12 years has been battling this. It has really been quarantined to her house. She couldn't get out, and we'll see that she was suffering greatly. So she wasn't supposed to be out and about amongst people. So there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. If you looked over in the Luke account, it says she touched the fringe of his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. It's like the disciples are saying, Jesus, are, have you lost your mind? There's people everywhere. They're pushing up against you. How in the world would we know who this is? But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, and that's a great term of endearment, that daughter there. So the context of this, if you remember over in, in Luke chapter, I believe it is uh, 13, uh, remember when Jesus healed the woman that was bent over and he, he, he removed those, the spirits of brokenness from her. And in that passage, he talks about, he calls her a daughter of Abraham. 
And what he means by that, if you know, if you go back and study it in Romans, remember Abraham was made righteous, what? By his faith. So she is a daughter in the faith of Abraham. That's the reference here, daughter. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And if you read over in Matthew, it says that she was instantly healed of her disease. Now, I think we can... uh, admit that this is a a picture of someone that's that's in a storm that's been suffering okay and this is an unnamed woman the bible doesn't give us a name for her but it's interesting i was reading and researching about her uh, legend actually does give her a name and i've got some eggs uh, this is my question of the week some more eggs i bet ken he's going to know this what was her name does anybody know or at least the legend that her name was anybody i'm sorry no. All right, so if I get no answer on this one, I'm going to keep going with this a little bit. I'm going to keep giving questions. So uh, her name, legend has it, was Veronica. And there's actually what they call a veil of Veronica. Does anybody know what the veil of Veronica is? She, she supposedly was there when Jesus was being crucified, and she gave him this to, to wipe the, the blood probably off of his face, and he put it up against his face and gave it back to her. And this is what they refer to as the veil of Veronica. And the original of this, as, as most people believe, has been in uh, St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican since 1606. And uh, so the, the legend has it that her name was Veronica and that after this moment and she was healed in this encounter with Jesus, she continued to follow him all the way to the cross and was there that day and then continued to follow him after that. So this Veronica, I think we all can agree, has suffered greatly. It says in there that she had been suffering for 12 years. I mean, think about that. Uh, I remember walking with Mike Fechner for those five years that he suffered from cancer. And I just remember how time just kind of kept piling on. And while in the beginning you just feel so encouraged and, and full of hope, then as that time just continues to go on, it just takes its toll on you. Spiritually and physically, emotionally, it just gets harder and harder and harder. And that was five years. I can't imagine what 12 years must have felt like. And it says also that she had suffered under many physicians. I mean, this is probably someone that went out and had constant surgeries. And if you're looking at it in modern day, I mean, they were constantly trying to diagnose her and help her, but it never worked, we can see from this. And it says that she spent all of her money, so she's dead broke. She spent everything on hospital bills. This 12 years has taken all of its toll on her, both financially and emotionally and physically. It says that that she was no better, uh, but she was actually getting worse. Again, I think this is a, a, obviously a great picture of someone that was in a storm. Um, and today, honestly, I, there's, there's some in this room, I know, and if not in this room, certainly people in this room know people that are in a similar storm. I mean, as a, as a deacon of this church, I have the privilege of going out and doing hospital visits. And sometimes, I always think to myself, I get a little overwhelmed by it because you just see all of this sickness and this hurt. And you see things that, like cancer and just the toll this takes on our country, our society. And so I know that there's a lot of people that can relate to this woman that are going through a storm that has to do with their physical health. And, you know, 
It wouldn't have to be that, though. I mean, that's the context of this story. Uh, but it could be any type of, of storm that you're going through. We're going to talk about her faith. And in some respects, it's a healing faith. Okay, it's a healing faith. But it also could be, I lost my job faith. Uh, or it could be, I'm in a bad financial place uh, faith. Or maybe I'm struggling with just life in general and I need some faith um, you know, I don't know what it would be. You can substitute in whatever the storm you might be going through. But I think we can look at this and we can learn uh, about her faith and how maybe that can help us. Uh, maybe we can grow in our storm the way she was growing in her storm. And I, so I want to I wanna tonight look at, I want to point out some characteristics. Uh, with the time we have, I want to talk about some characteristics of her faith, this faith in a storm. And I think that it'll help us, if we apply it in our own life, get through our own storms. You know, one thing I always talk about in here is never let anybody tell you that it is about the size of your faith. You know, I've heard so many times and, and counseled with people that are discouraged because they just don't believe they've got enough faith. They believe that maybe they're in this problem because they don't have enough faith. So don't ever let anybody tell you that. It isn't about how much faith you have. Okay, that makes it about you. God can take just the smallest of faith. That's why he gives us the parable of the mustard seed. It doesn't take a big faith. It just takes a little bit of faith and then let God do the work. But that doesn't mean you don't have to have a certain type of faith. All right, there is different types of faith. So we're going to talk tonight about what does a in-the-storm faith look like. And like I said, I'm going to give four things that I want us to think about in terms of in-the-storm faith. And I want to look at it in the context of this woman, Veronica, her faith. Uh, the first thing is her faith was humble. Her faith was humble. You've, you looked over there in verse 30. It talked about, it said, knowing what had happened to her came in fear and trembling. This was, this was a sign of respect and humility. In fact, the entire passage really doesn't it give you the sense of humility. It gives you the sense that, that she is determined in her life that, that the only thing that matters is Christ. That it's not about her. It's not about what she can do. I've ran out of options. Nobody's been able to help me. I am without hope except for in Christ. It's really the definition, isn't it, of humility. It's the exact opposite of depending on oneself, of self-righteousness, of depending on what you can do. You know, I say it all the time in here that, that tragedy begins where you end. If you could fix it, everybody would get themselves out of the storm. But it's not about what you can do. And in fact, the more you focus on yourself, the more it's about you, okay, it's going to lead to doubt. It's a good thing to remember that self leads to doubt, but humility leads to God. Self leads to doubt, but humility leads to God. If you remember last week, I talked about 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, and I read the verses 7 through 9. And remember, it talks about casting all of your anxieties, your fears, uh, onto God, onto Christ, and to be sober-minded, to be alert because that Satan is prowling about looking for someone to devour, but that you should take heart because there's people uh, just like you, believers, that are suffering the same. Well, if you go back and look at that passage and you go to the part right before it in verse 6, it says this, that humble yourself before God and at just the right time, he's going to lift you up. Just the right time, he's going to lift you up. So the first thing that I want us to remember about in the storm faith is it's a humble faith. It starts with humbling yourself before God. The second thing I think it's interesting to note about her faith and this in the storm faith is her faith was radical. 
Her faith was very radical. I mean, think about this. And when you, when you think about being radical, think about getting outside of your comfort zone, doing something maybe a little bit outside the, the box, maybe believing God for the impossible. I mean, this was a radical action that she took. I mean, her, her law, her custom, her religion told her that she couldn't do this. She couldn't leave that house. She couldn't go amongst the people. She couldn't press through a crowd, making everybody that she touched unclean. It was a radical decision she made to go after Christ. It's, it's somewhat similar to me when I talk to people that are in difficult times. One of the things that I always encourage people to do is to go and serve to spend their time serving others when they're in the midst of the storm. And a lot of times, I'm telling you, they will look at me like I'm crazy. Like, you're not paying attention to me, Scott. Uh, I'm telling you, I've got problems. My life is not good. I, I've, I've lost my job. I've, I, I'm sick. I'm struggling with cancer. I'm having a hard time with my, my spouse at home. We're fighting. We're about to get a divorce. You know, I'm just not a good father. I'm not doing well at work. I could just go on and on with list after list after list. And I always encourage them, well, when's the last time you served someone? When's the last time you thought about anybody other than yourself? And I'm telling you, they look at me like I'm crazy. But if you'll go out and do something as radical as take the, the, the eyes off of yourself and put them towards serving others, you'll be amazed what it'll do in your life. You'll be amazed how it, how it turns the circumstances of that storm. And I'll tell you what else you'll be amazed at, the opportunities it creates. You know, one of the things I love about this passage is think about what her radical behavior, think about the opportunity it created. God or Jesus calls her out. Somebody touched me. Who was this? And then look what happened. She comes forward, right? It says that the woman, knowing what happened, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told the whole truth. If you look at other versions, it told her everything, told him everything that had happened to her. So what is she doing? She gets to come forward and tell her story. And what a great story this must have been. Come on, for 12 years I've been suffering. I've been bleeding. I've been an outcast. I've been, I've been bedridden in my home. And I walked over here and I touched Jesus and now I'm healed. She got to tell this story, and can you just imagine what must have taken place? I mean, it doesn't give us the after story to this of how many people that were there in that crowd that their lives must have been changed. I mean, it must have been incredible, right? And that's because if you get an in-the-storm faith and you take radical actions like this and you create opportunities, it will not only change you, it will change others. It'll change others around you. So an in-the-storm faith is is humble faith, it's a radical faith, it's a long-suffering faith. I mean, again, think about this. Uh, this. This lady had been suffering for 12 years. She was probably lonely, and she was depressed, I'm sure, and she was hurting, she was in pain. I'm, I'm sure that she just didn't really know how to carry on with life, but yet she was persevering. She had this, I'm never going to give up attitude. And that's, that's because people that have in-the-storm faith Okay, people have in the sort of faith. They know that, that the struggle, that working through the struggle, it's, it's 90% of winning the victory. It's just pressing through it. And the other thing I'll tell you that they know is that by pressing through and struggling and never, ever giving up, when you get through that, that's where the miracles happen. That's really where the miracles happen. Don't give up before you get to the miracles because you got to press through that. you got to keep going. Okay, in the storm, faith just never, ever gives up because it knows that there's a miracle of God ahead. There's a miracle of God ahead. 
So it's a long-suffering faith. The other thing it is, the last thing, my fourth thing is, it's an urgent and an intentional faith. It's an urgent and an intentional faith. Think about the urgency that we see in this woman. I mean, she was going to do whatever it took. She was now willing to risk it all. She didn't care about the consequences. She was going to go right after Christ. She knew what she needed, and she had an urgency about going after it. I mean, isn't there something about being in a storm, especially a physical storm, that creates a sense of urgency in your life? I mean, isn't that true? You start just viewing things differently. I mean, I was thinking about this song. We were talking about country music songs. I told Grace last night I was going to use a country music song. And William, he guessed this. He said, oh, I bet it's a Tim McGraw song. I'm like, how he knows that? I never listened to country music, but he knows that. And it, the song I was thinking about was Live Like You Were Dying. Remember that song? It's a great song. He said, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manju. Uh, I didn't know what in the world. If you listen to that, try to figure out what he's saying there. I challenge you. It's not that easy. But he said, I'm going to love deeper. I'm going to speak sweeter. I'm going to forgive some people that I haven't forgiven. And that all I really hope is that someday in your life, you get to live like you were dying. That's That's what we see here. She's living like she was dying with an urgency. And the reality of it is we're all dying. Okay? We're all dying. We just don't know when. You know, I, I use this example with Mike all the time when I talk to people. Because I talk to people that, that knew him that will say, listen, Scott, I don't know what to do. Mike prayed. We prayed for Mike. We prayed, prayed, prayed. He was a man of God, had a great faith, had, a, had an end of the storm faith, and he died. Yeah, but gosh, he lived for five years. And Mike, I saw Mike do stuff in that five years he had never been able to do but for cancer, ever. I mean, and you think about the people during that five years of his life that died. Oh, my gosh. Every day, right? I mean, there's somebody in a tragic accident every day, you know, this, that has their life taken. We, we saw it down with these kids in Santa Fe. You don't know. We're not promised another day. We need to live with urgency. And I'll tell you what else she lived with was intentional, intentionality. She, she knew what she needed. She was desperate for Christ. And she was intentional about it. I'm going to go after him. I'm not going to mess around. I'm tired of messing around. I'm going to go straight after Jesus. Because think about this crowd of people. All these people, you don't even know who's there. I mean, there's lots of needs, I'm sure, in that crowd. I mean, if you thought about that, why in the world did we just have Jesus? He just, this one person, everybody's touching him. Why wasn't, you know, flowing out everywhere, power leaving his body everywhere, people being healed everywhere? You know, I was studying this, just thinking about it, because it was in fascinating to me why her what was so special about this person I mean one you could just say it was the grace of God you know we don't know his ways I know that but I can tell you I think it has something to do with her intentionality that she was just desperate for Jesus you know I read one commentary that I thought was great it said this we can imagine someone who because of the press of the crowd bumped up against Jesus When the woman's miracle was revealed, they might say, I bumped into Jesus, I touched him, yet I was not healed. But there's a huge difference between bumping into Jesus here and there and reaching out to touch him in faith. You can come to church week after week and bump into Jesus. That isn't the same as reaching out to him in faith. She wasn't playing church, okay? Bring it into the context of the day. She wasn't just making an appearance because it has nothing to do with whether you're in this class or down there in that sanctuary. It has nothing to do with that. But are you intentionally seeking Jesus? I mean, I think that's actually part of why God lets us go through storms, don't you? 
I mean, if you look at, we all love to quote Jeremiah 29, 11, right? God's got a plan for your life. You know, go over a, a couple of verses from that in verse 13. It talks about that those who seek after God will find him if they seek after him with all their heart. I mean, I think that's a part of what being in a storm is about. I mean, because as tough as it is, as hard as it is on us, you know, as, as difficult as it is to go through that, I mean, honestly, if you see most people, they begin to run after God in a different way. They really, it's, it, it's, it's sometimes sad that it takes that. But I tell you, a lot of times it does. And that doesn't always mean God's trying to get your attention. Don't, don't read it that way. But there are times where, you know, maybe God wants more from you. I mean, one of the things that stood out to me when I got the chance to sit down and speak for a day with Francis Chan is how much, you know, we talked about how we as believers are always trading good for the best. The best being just being with God, searching after Him, His heart becoming more like Christ, the process of sanctification. We, tr- we trade that all the time for church and music and events and you name it. And none of those things in themselves are bad at all. But they can never, ever substitute for a heart that is just intentionally with urgency going after Christ. Because you can't live without him. I think that's part of what it's about. And I think the other thing that's interesting to me about this story and just this context of all these people, but yet it was just her, is think about the response that, it, that she got from Jesus. It was, it was a pretty intentional response too, don't you think? It was a pretty intentional response. I mean, you know, he gets this touch, and he's like, oh, oh, somebody touched me. I felt the power leave. And you could read a lot of commentaries and a lot of experts about what in the world is this all about. Why did he feel power leave? How did he, how did he know it was this one person? I mean, how? And to me, it's pretty easy. I think that a faith this way, an in-the-storm faith, I think it connects you to Jesus in a special kind of way. I mean, I think that that's all what our life is about, right? I mean, think about our own faith. When you, when you put your faith and trust in, in Christ, think about it. You get some of that power. It gives you a special connection as you walk through life and you, your faith becomes a faith that is just so connected to God that you become more and more like Him. It creates a connection. I think that's what Jesus is modeling here. It's like, I'm going to know you. I'm going to transfer to you some of my power okay I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna have a special relationship and it's gonna be bridged by your faith by this in the storm faith this radical faith and you know listen I I'm, I'm not naive to think that in every storm you go have in the storm faith and it's gonna work out perfect it's just not reality is it it wasn't reality for Mike we could go down the list of people that it's not reality for but I know this that if you have this connection with Christ it'll build an intimacy with Christ that will bring peace in whatever the circumstance it'll bring peace in whatever the circumstance and the great news is for us as believers that we know that this earth is not the end the Bible's pretty clear that we don't need to fear death Revelation 21 tells us that, that there'll be no more pain there'll be no more suffering All the tears will be wiped away. But even here, even here, this would be the whole lesson right here. Even here on this earth, when it seems so tough sometimes, 
when there's storms everywhere, when you may be in the middle of that storm and you may be uh, suffering from whatever it might be, you may be depressed, you may be lonely, you may have financial troubles, troubles at home, whatever your storm might be. We can not only overcome that storm, we can grow in that storm, and I promise you we can even prosper in the middle of that storm if we just have an in-the-storm faith, one that's humble, radical, long-suffering, urgent, and intentional. And if you really want to sub it up, just have a faith that is willing to do whatever it takes to, to reach out, grab a hold of Jesus, and follow him to the cross and beyond, just like this unnamed woman who some call Veronica. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for uh, this class. Thank you for tonight and this time together. God, thank you that, Lord, you've given us, you've equipped us, you've, Lord, given us the gifts and the abilities to make it through uh, whatever this world throws at us, God. Uh, we know, Lord, that it's temporary. We know, God, that because of what you did on the cross, Lord, that we've overcome this world already. Uh, but, God, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us all Lord, just to have this in-the-storm faith, God, I pray that uh, when times are tough, uh, God, when we're losing hope, no matter how long that might be in our life, no matter how, how long that valley, that storm may last, God, I pray, God, that, that, Lord, you would give us this faith, God, that would not only help us overcome, Lord, but would help us to grow and prosper. Uh, Lord, thank you for loving us, and thank you for... Uh, God, the opportunities in life that you give us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.